2: Hello and welcome to the Game Day podcast from TalkSport, the ultimate preview of all the weekend's Premier League action. Alongside me, Sam Matterface, this week, the Mirror's assistant editor, Darren Lewis, and TalkSport's Alex Crook. The big stories in the Premier League to be tackled this week. None bigger than the future of Oli Gunnar Solskjaer.
1: It's back to the drawing board for Manchester United after this performance. I don't know where they go, what direction they take. Manchester United nil, Liverpool five. Suddenly we've hit a brick wall in the last uh, couple of weeks. I've come too far to give up. I want to make sure that I do my best. That's
2: all I can do. Three games to save his job. We'll bring you them all on talks for but... Will he be out on his ear if he doesn't win at Tottenham this Saturday? Reinvigoration is the order of the day at Leicester and at Arsenal and they clash at Saturday lunchtime. And there's four massive fixtures at the bottom of the table. Liverpool and Manchester City look to catch Chelsea, who travels to St James's Park. They don't have a great record there. And there's a very strange set of Sunday fixtures. Every game picked apart, like the Manchester United defence, it's the Premier League's best preview, the game day podcast from TalkSport. This is game day A good midweek of action. Full pack stands, the League Cup. We mentioned, I think, the last time we were on this podcast talking about it. Done a brilliant job of making football accessible. And not only that, the straight-to-penalties format, Darren, absolutely brilliant.
0: It does indeed. No messing around with the half hour that annoys managers, tires out players ahead of the Premier League and reignites uh, conversations around why... The Carabao Cup is a waste of time. All of the reasons that you just suggested are reasons to keep it going, especially results like West Ham beating City.
2: Congratulations to Liverpool. The Origi goal was something else. Chelsea, Arsenal, Spurs, Brentford, West Ham, Sunderland and Leicester,
0: who all reach the quarterfinals
2: of the Carabao Cup. But it's back to the Premier League and the drawing board if you're Manchester United.
1: David De Gea
3: has to score this. He's saved! by the diving Rully, diving to his left hand side and it's Virial that win the Europa League for 2021
2: Manchester United simply were not ruthless
3: or good enough Manchester United nil. West Ham 1 Manchester United nil. Aston Villa 1, referee Craig Paulson blows his whistle and
1: it has finished. Leicester City 4, Manchester United 2. Wow, this is a capitulation from the Reds at home at Old Trafford. It's now Manchester United nil, Liverpool 5. I accept the responsibility that is mine today and it's mine going forward.
3: How come Luke Shaw was so brilliant at the Euros and then plays like that? How come Harry Maguire looks so assured for England and then plays like that? How come all of that is happening? How can David De Gea
2: be playing so well this season and yet they're conceding so many goals? That signing of Ronaldo will be his undoing because it will be the narrative, it will be the stick that's used against him every single time something doesn't work the way it should do. First
1: time ever we've ever walked out of a football game with Man United. The
2: game's against Aston Villa, Villarreal, Everton. There's no football whatsoever. Oli's
1: lost the plot. I mean, the stats
0: are just damning, aren't they? You know, the, the physical stats, the numbers
1: now that we can see where United are... Bottom of the table in so many areas of their defensive play. You can't hide behind that.
3: If Oli loves this club as much as he says he does, resign.
2: Well, it's been quite a week, hasn't it? Alarm when Sir Alex Ferguson and ex-chairman Martin Edwards were seen at the training ground at Carrington. That just appeared to be a pre-arranged meeting with sponsors. Paul Pogba snubbing the manager, then refusing to apologise for his tackle on Naby Keita. That was reported by someone else. Players leaking via their agents, reported by everybody, uh, that they've lost faith in the Norwegian. And if the reports are to be believed, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has three games to save his job. The Derby, Atalanta and the Champions League. But starting with the game at Tottenham at the weekend. Darren, can he?
0: I don't think you can assess it in so simplistic a way. I don't think he has three games to save his job because if any manager had three games to save their job and they lost the first one in the manner that he did, then it would be over was straight away. There is nothing that the subsequent two games are going to tell you that the first game didn't. And my worry for Manchester United is that... I just want to just address two, two very, very quick things before I go into that. You said that players are leaking. And actually, it's not necessarily players leaking, it's journalists tapping into the contacts that they know, journalists like you, you know, you know, players, you know, agents within the game. And those agents give you a fuller picture as to why things were so bad last weekend on and off the pitch. So and this is a period where journalists with good contacts start to come into their own. The second thing is that, Man United have a problem in that they are wedded to the past in the same way that Liverpool were wedded to the boot room until they finally began to realise in the mid to late 90s that they had to move away from it. I would say more towards the late 90s. Gerard Houllier came in, Treble in 2001. We know what happened after that. I think in some ways, and it probably needs a wider discussion away from this, but... what's happening with Solskjaer is almost a microcosm of the trouble with football. People who are not good enough for their job, but they've got mates in high places that keep them in those jobs and deny more capable people the opportunity to get into jobs. Solskjaer, by any metric, has had, has failed at Man United. He's had three years. He's finished second in a year that Chelsea were in transition. Liverpool had no defenders. And this season, he has gone backwards. I don't think... Anybody can make a single case for keeping him there except for his mates in the boardroom. And Ferguson and Edwards at the training ground, we're all complicit in this because we all go dizzy at the return of Sir Alex. And we we as if he is this magnificent decision maker, he's a fantastic manager, but he was the guy who brought who said, Give David Moyes your support. And David Moyes made a hundred decisions that he would now freely admit he regrets. They can keep him and they will, and I think the other clubs in the Premier League, especially at the top, will be absolutely delighted.
2: Um, I, I sent a tweet out actually in response to the idea of three games to uh, save his job earlier in the week which said, well, what if he wins all three? Um, will that be enough to convince everyone inside the club that the doubts were misplaced? Of course it won't. You know, It always strikes me as a very odd way of doing business and likely to do more with the fact uh, that there's they're trying to line up a replacement they need the time in order to get that person in the door, rather than giving him any sort of leeway. The decision's made, isn't it? Ultimately, he will leave. It, it's just a matter of when now, Crook.
3: Yeah, I, I think you're 100% right. Um, I seem to have spent more time ranting about Ollie and, and Manchester United this week than I have speaking to Mrs Crook, but I will go again. Um, let's not pretend this is part of a, a long-term... Um, plan from the powers that be at Old Trafford. They know that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has run his course. They know that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is not an elite-level manager. They, deep down, they've probably known that all along. But they look at his coaching staff. There's nobody that they would entrust to take charge on an interim basis. And I have to say, I agree with that. I'm underwhelmed by Ole's backroom team. And I would include uh, Mike Phelan in that. Well, I think he's only there because of his link to Sir Alex Ferguson. Again, you're going back a long time now since that partnership was formidable. I think they're split on Antonio Conte. I know from very good sources that certainly behind the scenes, Conte has been sounded out about the potential of a move to Old Trafford because it isn't usually the Conte way to take charge of a club mid-season. But I think this is one club that he would make an exception for. There are others like Ferguson still pushing for Maurizio Pochettino. That should have been a no-brainer. Um, when Pochettino was available as a free agent I think it would be much more difficult now mid-season to get him out of Paris Saint-Germain perhaps in the summer Pochettino may feel differently but ultimately it doesn't matter what happens on Saturday and there will be Manchester United fans and I'm not saying I'm one of them that will be hoping for another Liverpool type result and performance so that the agony ends sooner rather than later but if Manchester United do beat Spurs and they could beat Spurs because they're absolute garbage Tottenham at the moment based on what we saw at West Ham last weekend. It just papers over the cracks. It doesn't mean that Ollie is the right man for the job. He's never been the right man for the job. I've been saying that for two years and I make Darren correct. You can't really credit him too much for finishing second last season because there was a massive asterisk next to last season with a behind closed doors environment, Liverpool's injury problems, other teams that you would expect to be in around the top four underperforming. Yes, he, he, he brought an initial uplift because he replaced Jose Mourinho, if Darren Lewis, who's a very upbeat character, replaced Jose Mourinho, he would have brought a smile back to that football club. Doesn't mean he's an
2: elite manager either. And there's not much chance of Mauricio Pochettino switching Neymar, Messi, Mbappe for Fred and McTominay, is there? I mean, not voluntarily, anyway. Um, but um, you never know. It, it maybe will be that they hang on to Oli till the summer and then do that deal. I think, you know, with the coaching staff, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because A lot of young new coaches that come into a position would immediately appoint some sort of experienced assistant to help them through. And and Ollie sort of did that with Mike Phelan, but they're very hands off, as far as I understand it, on the uh, coaching side of things. They leave a lot of it to Kieran McKenna, who's 35. He was at Tottenham when he was a a kid, got injured, turned to coaching. You've got uh, Eric Ramsey, who is the, the set piece coach, but also part of the coaching structure. I think he studied with McKenna at university and was the assistant to Andy Myers at Chelsea's under 23s a little while ago. But, but, but McKenna's got to have something, hasn't he? These people have got to have something. Ramsey's the, the youngest person ever in this country to get a pro license. McKenna is it, was promoted by Jose Mourinho. They've obviously got something, but it might just be that these guys are promoted a little bit too early and too much is being put on their shoulders Um, at a club which is obviously the place you graduate to, not graduate from. In terms of what's going to happen at the weekend, look, very difficult to make a team that is so easy to play through, hard to beat in the current climate. But I hear there was defiance amongst the group on Tuesday morning. Shame you can't play at centre-back. 11 goals uh, considered in three matches, Uh, one clean sheet in 21, even a misfiring Harry Kane crook will be licking his lips
3: defiance on Tuesday morning where was the defiance on Sunday afternoon when <laughs> Liverpool went into a two 0 lead I mean I come think, off it I think it was come injured off it. I think it was injured again and Darren's mentioned it that there is a certain element of these leaks just being journalists who are good at their job but defiance on Tuesday morning strikes me as propaganda be it on behalf of Oli be it on behalf of Manchester United be it on behalf of Cristiano Ronaldo who we hear is galvanising the troops and urging them not to down tools. This is Manchester United. If there's anybody in that group who's even contemplating downing tools and there were players who down tools at the weekend, they should be nowhere near the team. And i tell you what, it's going to be fascinating to see what side Oli puts out because the first mistake he made at the weekend was naming the same side that got battered in the first half by Atalanta. Uh, Jesse Lingard in, in particular must be scratching his head. He's being abused by supporters when he's not even on the pitch. It was Ollie's decision to keep him in the summer when West Ham was sniffing around, has barely used him since. To me, he's the type of player United need. If Ronaldo's not going to press, he needs two people alongside him who are going to do that job for him. Jesse Lingard is one of them. By all accounts, uh, Von der Beek is really impressing his teammates in training, but can't get anywhere near the team. Aaron wan needs to be dropped now because he was utterly hopeless at the weekend. Harry Maguire has been hopeless ever since he came back from injury. I bet you
2: nine of the 11 start again. Spurs were tepid as well against West Ham. They never looked like scoring too many. They're pretty stout, well-organised, 80% of the time, but they can get picked apart too. Is this a contest between who can be the, the least rubbish or are they, which is my fear, both going to play very pragmatically and it's en- going to end up being quite a dull affair?
0: I think maybe a combination of the two. They're both defences are awful. Um so, it's just so I think from our point of view, we could actually benefit because I think there'll be a lot of goals. They're both incapable. Listen, these two teams could mess up a cup of coffee right now. I think just to go back to what Crook was saying, I think that the idea that Conti is not a good fit for Manchester United is simply I agree. insane. It is insane. I, I cannot, and the football is full of the Emperor's new clothes, and this is one example of it. The guy's won three titles as manager of Juventus. He won five titles as a player. He, he's won the title with Chelsea. He won Inter Milan's first trophy, first title for 11 years. This guy is a winner. He's adaptable. He, wherever he goes, he wins things. If he was in place for Saturday, Spurs would get smashed to pieces. But as I say, you know, that this is, you just talked about Eric Ramsey and, and Kieran McKenna. Mates. it's that's what it is it's mates and it's it's self-indulgence and it's gonna make things a lot worse for united before it gets better because i cannot see any constellation of players that takes to the field on saturday and gets a result against manchester united uh, against spurs without conceding a goal and you've got to go back further one clean sheet in 21 matches that's manchester united's worst run since 1964 this team can't do the basics, so you can't expect to Saturday's game to be without goals. I think even if it's a draw, it'll be a scoring draw or Spurs will win.
2: Conte is one of those managers, though, isn't he? That he comes in, he makes a massive impression and then leaves very myth, quickly. Myth.
0: Please, please don't go buy into that because... Well, I, you know, I, it, he has. I, I I've I, I watched it at
2: Chelsea, I've watched it at Inter Milan and I've watched oh, wait, it at Manchester.
0: Sam, Sam, so... it's not people,
2: a myth, is it? It even happened oh, in Italy.
0: He left uh, Inter Milan because they sold his championship winning team. They'd won the title. They sold Hakimi to Paris Saint Germain. They sold Lukaku to, to
2: Chelsea. Well, hold on. Why didn't Tottenham bring him in? Because he wanted to spend lots of money that they didn't have. And ultimately, you have ambitious. to work. Well, okay, but Sam, you can't, you've still got to work
0: within your parameters, haven't you? If you want to bring in an elite manager to do a job, you give him elite money. Yeah, fine. But Manchester Manchester United don't want to give that
2: manager loads of money, do they? That's the point. They don't want to spend their way out of a problem.
0: But at Manchester United, he wouldn't need it. He would at Spurs because Tottenham's squad is far inferior, which is the very reason why Harry Kane wants to leave. Because the investment in that team is nowhere near the level of Chelsea, Liverpool, Manchester City, Manchester United. Whereas at Man United, of course, as Okay. Say, oh, so, you, so you think if he comes into Manchester
2: United, he stays longer than three years? Does it matter? It does matter to them. It does matter to Manchester United. It does matter to the to the, the hierarchy and the board. They've put a structure in place. They don't want to be in a situation where they're changing the manager every every two or three That's years. my point. Which is, why, which is why the Antonio Conte thing doesn't fit for them. I'm not saying it's not a good appointment. If Antonio Conte comes in, Tomorrow, Manchester United will finish in the top four. There's no doubt about it. We all know that. We've all seen his work. But we also know that he's not a long-term appointment. And there's no point in hiding that's away from pass.
0: that. That is but the case. Sounds. Yeah, but but that that's a fantasy right now. What they should want are the basics. A, a football team that wins. But, but but that's what they want. So there's no point in telling me about it. I, I, I accept it. No, but that goes back to my, my original yeah. point. They are wedded to the past. And that is what is going to be a millstone around their necks while other teams, or inferior teams, overtake them because they've got the the the, the, the setup and the nows to realise you go with what you have now. Forget about long-term strategies and trying to recreate the, the, the Alex Ferguson era. It's gone. But United are so wedded to that. They are there's going to get a lot worse before it gets better.
1: Guess who just got better? Patsen Zaka's through for four. it's four goals for Patsen What a night for him. What a night for Leicester City.
0: These three
2: games, three big wins for us. But now we've got to keep moving forward and look to uh, the next game.
1: He took his time. He played it to James Madison, who's fought it into an empty net. Brentford won, Leicester two.
2: He's gone away, analysed it himself, and then gone away and worked so hard. And yeah, you're starting to see the fruits of that.
0: Right footed. Martinez saved. But
2: the rebound. We're still very early in the season. It's been a bit of a rollercoaster and uh, we want uh, a good transition and, uh, and win more games. And we're going to do that if we play better. Uh, Leicester against Arsenal is 12.30 on Talksport on Saturday. Arsenal's thrilling Friday night display has seemed to sort of turn the tide of opinion. Uh, but does that just highlight the inconsistency in the group or are we on the cusp of seeing Arteta's vision, group?
3: I think Arteta has a vision. Um, and whether you agree with that vision or not, it, it's plain to see. He, with his recruitment in the summer, bringing in young, largely uh, British players who will be just pleased to be there um, in the case of the likes of Aaron Ramsdale and Ben White, um, who have been two of Arsenal's better performance better performers in recent weeks. Emil smith we talked about him on the podcast on Sunday. He can't be too far away now from Gareth Southgate's England squad, Bukayo Saka, a very talented young player as well. And I think he has shown that he is willing to adapt his tactics, that experiment playing Lacazette in the number 10 role behind Aubameyang worked really well against Aston Villa. So he, again, not to heart back to Ollie and Manchester United, but you sort of know what you're going to get from Arsenal. Yes, it's not always consistent, but you know the way they're going to play. You know what his philosophy is. That isn't the case with with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, United look a team, without a plan. And they're level on points with Manchester United, despite the fact they had such a horrendous start. So, credit to Arteta, because it wasn't that long ago that he had to ride out a storm, and people were suggesting maybe he, his head could be on the chopping block, but I think he's managed to galvanise that group. The players are certainly playing for him and playing for the badge and Arsenal seem to be a pretty happy camp
2: at the moment. A fit Thomas Partey makes a big difference, doesn't he, Darren? I thought he and Le actually looked quite a good fit together in midfield on Friday night. Smith Rowe has altered his diet and reaped the benefits, apparently. Saka is Saka, fantastic. And I prefer them, actually, with Lacazette in the team.
0: Yeah, I, like, I agree with all of that, but I'll be very, very brief on this. I think Arsenal's results paper over the cracks. This is a good team they're up against. I think they'll exploit the uncertainty and that Arsenal defence. There'll be goals in the game. I think Leicester will win.
2: Uh, Leicester look like they've turned their form around too. Um, United win, Spartak win, Brentford win. They've all been dispatched in the last few games. If I was Manchester United, I'd be all over Brendan Rodgers. Yeah, you mentioned
3: that to me the other night, obviously, the... The problem maybe there is, is the compensation they would have to pay as well as having just lavished Ollie with a new long-term contract paying him off. And as you already mentioned, the owners don't really want to spend too much money on this project. But he, he does have a lot of uh, a lot of positives, Brendan Rogers Maybe where Conte, for me, would be ahead is, is the fact that, as, as Darren said, he's a multiple title winner, which Brendan Rogers isn't. I know he won the FA Cup and a multiple title winner in Scotland, but I'm not, with the greatest respect in the world, counting that as much as... Conte's achievements. Well, but Leicester do seem to have turned a corner. Celtic don't count, is that what you're saying? I think it's all relative. Success in Scotland
2: clearly doesn't mean as much as success in the Premier League and Serie A. Do you disagree? No, I'm, I'm getting your opinion. Uh, the one thing that Leicester haven't plugged is the defence. Both teams scored in five of the last six, so that suggests this could be Rather entertaining, it's 12.30 on Saturday. Liverpool are finally back at Anfield. They take on Brighton at uh, three o'clock on Talk Sport and they are ready to unload on the Seagulls. I only say that because they unload on everyone. They've scored at least twice in 17 of the last 18 games and could have scored 18 if they'd tried at Old Trafford. Anyway, uh, Brighton should uh, put up a bit more of a fight or, sh- or should they, Darren?
0: No, Will, they're better and more organised. They've moved on a bit over the last uh, season, but I think Liverpool are just in incredible form. Thirty-five goals in the last ten games. Uh, Mo Salah has scored in the last ten matches. Fourteen goals in total. He and Mane wasn't even on the pitch for most of the game last Saturday, uh, last Sunday. So I think, as far as Brighton are concerned, they've got a lot to worry about.
2: Yeah, Brighton on Saturday night played Manchester City and it was the first time I think that they'd played someone above them in the table and that that sort of exposed maybe where they are I mean, they're never going to be in the top four anyway, are they Brighton? I mean, but finishing in the top ten, still a real possibility Yeah, I think he was a bit bold Graham Potter in that that first half Um, in the second half, the,
3: the defenders got a bit higher up the pitch and it was more of a contest so I think it will be intriguing to see what style of play they adopt this weekend. Listen, we know that Brighton are a team who like to try and dominate possession. Clearly, it's difficult to do that against a Manchester City or a Liverpool. But their form has just tailed off. They've drawn a couple of games in a row before that game against Manchester City as well. That doesn't take away from the, the good start they had to the season. But I do think they're missing Danny Welbeck at this moment in time as someone who can come off the bench and, um, and make an impact and give defences something else to think about. Neil Mopé missing a penalty in the week, out that won't do his confidence any good. But they did win at Anfield last season, I think I'm right in saying, for the first time in, in, in a number of years. So that will that, that will give them a bit of added confidence. Yeah, I still expect Liverpool to win for all the reasons that, that Darren has said, that there isn't a defender in the world at the moment who seems capable of stopping Mo Salah, but I think it will be much closer
2: uh, than both Liverpool's last game and than Brighton's game at home to Manchester City as well. Norwich against Leeds Sunday, two o'clock. Norwich, the team with the worst goals for... By five, I mean the next one has got seven goals. They've got two. The worst goals against by three. The worst xG. The worst x points. The worst expected goals against. Take on Leeds, who have got Calvin Phillips back, but weren't particularly good in midweek against Arsenal. Um, Leeds did have the same number of shots and more of the ball though during that game. But against Norwich, you would expect them to have the the edge, Darren.
0: Yeah, I would, because Norwich are, by a long way, the worst team to play in the Premier League for a long time. I don't mean to be disrespectful saying it. In fact, I think Crook can feel vindicated for, uh, in terms of some of the comments that he's made about Norwich. Not the nasty ones, uh, but the fact that he has said that you have to kind of wonder about the Norwich strategy. They do have the money. Maybe they've been unfortunate in terms of not being able to attract the quality that's needed to stay in the Premier League. But I can't see anything other than the Leeds win. Norwich concede in every game. They are championship. They are almost in a purgatory, really too good for the championship, not good enough for the Premier League, but I can't see anything other than the misery continuing this weekend.
2: Some great quotes from Stuart Webber uh, this week in which he says, you know, we've got about 210 games with Daniel in charge and some of those have been really good some of those have been really bad but you know ultimately long term he is the uh he is the future of the club he's going to stay is that the right decision
3: well not many of those really good games have been in the premier league have they they've largely been
2: certainly in not the in the last 19
3: <laughs> exactly uh, no wins in that three goals scored at least one of those uh, a penalty um it's interesting that Stuart Weber has come out and backed his manager because I was with a colleague for coffee yesterday and he was suggesting to me that maybe the, the bookmakers have got it wrong in terms of the next manager to leave Ole and Solskjaer heavily odds on. I think Daniel Farker is a five to one, six to one shot. And I think at most other clubs in, in, in the Premier League, if you had the type of record in the top flight that he did have, he would be on very dodgy ground. But from what you've just said, maybe that isn't the case. This is a massive opportunity for Leeds United, a team who have struggled for wins in the Premier League this season, actually played well in quite a lot of matches, but have not had the same cutting edge they did last year. You can probably credit a lot of that to the fact that Patrick Bamford has been unavailable. I'm covering this game for TalkSport International. I'm looking forward to sitting down and and dissecting a 90-minute Norwich performance and seeing if they are as bad uh, as the highlights and the statistics suggest. But I think if Leeds don't win this weekend, then Marcelo Bielsa suddenly will have big problems on his plate. This is this is a must-win for Leeds.
0: Can I make a quick point about um, the fact that Norwich lost at Chelsea last weekend to a Chelsea side of no strikers, but far more appetite? I think Norwich threw in the towel. You were at the game, were you not, Sam? Did you do the game?
2: I was, yes. They were absolutely abysmal.
0: And I think it wasn't about if Chelsea had had strikers, it could have been 10 or 12, but to be down 2-0 after 18 minutes because they hadn't done the basics said to me, not so much that they're bad players, but their morale has been crushed completely, and it'll be interesting to see which Norwich turns up this weekend. Will they still have the scars from last weekend?
2: And that's interesting because that's what Stuart Webber continues to go on to say. He said, we could be absolutely rubbish and beat Leeds on uh, the weekend. We could be brilliant, hit the bar five times and lose 1-0. What do you do then? We can't be setting targets that someone else has got a game left or two games left, 10 games left, the season left, two seasons left. We are fully committed to Daniel. That's why we gave him a four-year contract in the summer. The work he's done at this club has been beyond incredible. To be questioning Daniel at this point would be incredibly unfair. Um, they did lose 7-0 last week. I was um, say. And, um, you know, they seem to be oblivious to the fact that that is unacceptable. He's also fallen out with Todd Cantwell. That isn't going to help, but actually just demanding that they close down would probably be the first order of business, Crook. Well, actually, but those comments you've just read out, the bit about we could hit the bar
3: five times and still lose, that's almost him suggesting they've been unlucky. Let's just talk about this season. They've not been unlucky in any game, they've been poor. Darren talked about the attitude of the Norwich players. And I do wonder, you know, statements like this, the fact that Daniel Farker came out afterwards, Sam, and said to you, we're the only self-funding club in the Premier League. Not, not convinced that's true, by the way. Southampton's owners haven't put any money in. Newcastle, as you mentioned to me, turned a profit in their last set of accounts. So, But it just gives the players and Daniel Farker, seemingly, an excuse to stink the Premier League out.
4: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well.
0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
1: The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides, and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go Play at labrooks.com 18 plus Be T's and C's apply Talk sports game day The biggest matches At the biggest moments James Madison scores For Leicester City And a fabulous goal By Pierre-Emerick
3: Aubameyang Another Arsenal goal
4: I think the chemistry is there I think
5: the
2: connection is getting stronger and stronger. Magic Mo Salah is Liverpool's latest icon, and he's got their latest goal. This group always wanted to write their own little chapters for the big, big history book of this club. Shane Duffy
1: heads Brighton into the lead. It's finished, West Ham one. Tottenham Hotspur now.
0: There are aspects to improve that will guide us to to winning more football matches.
1: Wow, this is a capitulation from the Reds at home at Old Trafford. It's now Manchester United 0 Liverpool 5. We're all low. I can't say now that uh, I've felt any worse than this. This is why we love the top flight. This is why we love game
2: day. Uh, Watford against uh, Southampton, 3 o'clock on Saturday. Uh, well, Watford stunned Everton, but they have failed to beat Saints in any of the last six meetings since Daryl Yanmat and Abdullahi DeCore scored at St Mary's in 2017. I thought Saints' reserves were OK against Chelsea, actually. Hard to break down. I quite liked Lianko. Uh, why have we not seen more of him, Crook?
3: I think they're just giving him time to, to settle into to life in, in English football. Um, and, and to be fair, the form of the, the, the the, the centre-back pairing has almost been thrust together because of the injury to Jack Stevens, Bednarek and Salas, who have done quite well. So, uh, But like you, I heard good reports about Lianko in midweek. I, I think he's still a, a way off forcing his way into the, the the Premier League team. But I think they've had a decent enough season, Southampton. Again, the points don't necessarily suggest it. They had enough chances to beat Burnley last weekend. Nathan Redman can't finish his dinner. Um, it's a bit of a problem. Had he been able to, they would have won that game. And you said about Arsenal's inconsistency. What are we going to get from Watford? Brilliant on the opening day against Aston, but they're pretty much dreadful in every game subsequently. And then turned it on for 12 minutes against Everton on Saturday. Josh King, unplayable. It can be like that, Josh King, when he fancies it. And he was a man on a mission because he felt he'd been mistreated by Everton. The challenge for Claudio Ranieri, one of a number of challenges, is to keep him fully motivated and fully focused. If you can do that, I think Josh King can be a handful.
2: Uh, one win in nine games so far this season, sitting 16th in the Premier League. Uh, that was Alex Crook talking about Southampton and having a great season despite those statistics. He is the Stuart Webber of St. Mary's. Um, Burnley against Brentford is Saturday, 3 o'clock. <laughs> Sean Dyson during his worst start as Burnley boss. Uh, Burnley haven't won at home in the league since January uh, this year. Nine without a victory this season. Maxwell Corner gives them something a little bit different, but they're taking on a team that won't be bullied and we're unlucky not to win more than they have in Brentford, Crook.
3: Yeah, although it's starting to become a habit for Brentford of late losing by the old goal. They've lost David Raya, I think to a long-term injury. That, yes, that will they be a have, problem yeah. Because he's been excellent so far this season. I've got some stats actually uh, courtesy of Adrian Durham on Burnley, which really sums up Uh, Just how big a a job Sean Dyche has got on his hand. Uh, Chris Wood has scored one goal in his last 12 games. Jay Rodriguez, uh, none in 20. Dwight McNeil, none in 18. Mate Vidra, none in 14 now. So they are heavily reliant on on Maxwell Corday. They're not brilliant at keeping clean sheets. And the stats there don't paint a great picture of their strikers. it all adds up to a a long, hard season for Burnley.
2: Yeah, and just to add to that, the only teams that Burnley have been since Valentine's Day are Rochdale, Fulham, Wolves at the end of Nuno's reign when it was going to pot, and Everton at Goodison Park when Everton couldn't buy a win there. They've lost 12 in the last 20, failing to win 17 of the last 20, Darren. That would suggest that the quality isn't there.
0: And what's quite interesting is that Sean Dyche has built up a lot of credit in the bank because hardly anyone is talking about what is a nightmare run of form. And say he was in charge, for example, of Newcastle with this form or I don't know, Watford with this form. Everyone would be Norwich. Norwich even. Yeah, Crook would be on his way around there with a fishing rod and a couple of cans. Yes, he would. Throwing it out. (laughs) <laughs> but I think as far as Burnley is concerned, because he's got him out them out of trouble on so many occasions, no one's really batting an eyelid. And you have to be honest, you know, because of the profile of the club, perhaps maybe there isn't too much spotlight on them. But they are under pressure going into this match. And I'd suggest even without Raya, Brentford could score. They are still an unknown quantity. And for that reason, Burnley won't be able to handle them.
2: After this, Burnley have three London teams in Chelsea, Palace, and Spurs. You could argue they've already been away to Manchester City and Liverpool. So that's, you know, in the plus column adds a bit of context. But they've also been to Newcastle and only drawn. I think they'll go down at the end of the season. I'll ask you who your three to go down are in just a second. Newcastle are also winless, being kept off the bottom by Norwich. Uh, Chelsea won at St James's Park last year, but they lost five of their last eight visits. Seriously. Newcastle are a bit of a bogey team for Chelsea, especially away from home. Even going back to the early 2000s and Jose's first spell, they regularly slip up there. The atmosphere is going to be charged again. They look better tactically against Crystal Palace, especially after the changes. What chances of a Newcastle statement victory, their first victory under the new owners at St. James's Park, Crook? You'd say a slim one, but
3: I, I do give them a chance because obviously Chelsea still without some, some big hitters and for me still not really hit top stride under Thomas Tuchel and Newcastle do have players who can hurt you Callum Wilson scored a fantastic goal last week you know I'm his biggest fan I think if he gets an opportunity in and around the 18 yard box more often than not he ends up in the back of the net Sam Maximan will pose problems to that defense as well but it's the other end isn't it for Newcastle you know they look so fragile so vulnerable uh, in their own final third and Chelsea with the likes of Mason Mount in red hot form last week and Havertz, who actually played quite well without getting himself on the score sheet, will cause them problems. This Newcastle managerial situation is a strange one for me as well. Graham Jones, by all accounts, will be in charge again this weekend, even though he's gone on record as saying that he's a coach. And not a manager. And I wonder if his presence is causing a potential problem in their hunt for a successor to Steve Bruce. Because, because take Eddie Howe, for example, who I know is very keen to get back into management and would be willing to take that job until the end of the season. He's got his own backroom staff. And I know some of those backroom uh, members, the likes of Jason Tindall and Stephen Purchase, have a relationship with Graham Jones from Bournemouth. But as I understand it, and maybe Darren can shed some light here, Newcastle want Graham Jones to be heavily involved. When it comes to the new management team, Eddie Howe as a manager is not someone who delegates an awful lot of responsibility. He wants to be in charge of everything in, in terms of training and uh, and preparation at Bournemouth. He would be, lock himself away in his, in his office for hours after training and, and re-watch back the training session. So I just wonder if, if that might put off someone like Eddie Howe in terms of having to embrace Graham Jones rather
2: than choosing himself. Doesn't that tell you, Darren, who they want to be the new manager? I mean, Lucien Favre has emerged as a leading contender, but also the idea that um, Roberto Martinez is very much on their list and someone who Graham Jones has worked with over the course of his entire career sort of probably sort of points in that direction, doesn't it?
0: Well, it kind of does, but the problem is that there is a split in the decision-making process. Half of the uh, Newcastle ownership structure want still want Paolo Fonseca. The other half want a manager that would go in the direction that Graham Jones is pointing whether that is a Lampard, whether that is a an Eddie Howe, whether that is a Lucien Favre or Roberto Martinez. I'm not really that excited by any of them. If you were to tell me Steven Gerrard, possibly maybe might, yes. But apart from there I'm not really excited by any other than, than Fonseca. So But the problem is that it's still a mess. And I think, in a way, Newcastle are looking at what they would hope as a vision of their future in Chelsea. But the the Chelsea were far more organised. They had a plan. They knew what they were doing. Newcastle don't. And I think things, again, are going to get worse for Newcastle before they get better.
2: Yeah, I mean, the comparisons to Chelsea and Man City with Newcastle is like comparing apples and oranges. I mean, the truth is, is that Chelsea were already a Champions League team and had been for a couple of years prior to the Abramovich takeover and to Manchester City were well on their way in terms of investment under tax in Shinawatra prior to the arrival. Of... Are you
0: Trying to correct me? Are you trying to correct me? No, I'm.
2: I thought I was actually sticking up for you, saying you're exactly right. Yeah. So, so Stop. do you want to backtrack there? Do you want to say sorry? Do you want? To, this, I yeah, I love, love you too. Yeah,
3: go on. Listen, if you if you two want to get a room, crack on because as I tell you <laughs> what, there's been some serious uh, tension uh, this morning. Uh, I think financial fair play is a lot more of an issue for the Newcastle owners than it was for Abramovich and, and for Manchester City. So the idea that... And the, the they actually is, exist now. Exactly. The idea that Newcastle are going to be able to lavage hundreds of million pounds and challenge for the title, I think it's fanciful. If you're asking me now, will Newcastle mount a title challenge in the next five years? I'm going to say no.
2: Hey, Lucy, you all right? Yeah, I'm
5: not too bad.
2: Well, good. I'm pleased you've uh, come along just to diffuse some of the, uh, the sort of, I don't know, testosterone that's in the really room hated,
5: today.
2: isn't it? Yeah, well, you know, it's a quite an emotive subject, isn't it? You know. <laughs> is this the part, Sam, where
3: you're going to ask us for our relegation predictions or is that still to come? Oh, I forgot to do that. Yeah. Like, like you forgot that I didn't predict Crystal Palace to go down when you were trying to claim that I did a couple of
2: weeks ago. Isn't that right, Lucy? Yeah, but I don't believe that. Um, I'm going to go back and listen to it myself and find out and do the research. Right, well, okay, according
3: I'll... to according to Lucy's message, Crook's predictions at the start of the season to go down were Burnley,
2: Norwich, that was my and prediction. That was, they were my predictions to go down because I'd done it for Bet Three Six Five about four days before, and I told you, and I've backed it at fifty to one and sixteen to one. So, well, you know. Lucy's Lucy's listen back, you know. Yeah, so I don't trust
3: them. Um... Do you think Sam needs 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 a bit of a holiday? Look, he's looking very pasty there, isn't he?
5: Well, do you know what? I've actually bought myself a holiday. Oh
3: really right. Butlins?
5: well no I th- think this is going to be frowned upon I am going with a few of my mates uh, next weekend to Blackpool Pleasure Beach
2: oh yes yes Lucy do you know what actually having been there a few times for various different things you will fit right in
5: <laughs> well that's actually quite rude
2: <laughs> what well, hold on you just put the holiday there
5: <laughs> I know it, it's not a nice place. You know, it's not Saint Lucia. It is, but it's it is a nice all place. All right, I used to go there as a kid.
2: Trevor, Trevor Sinclair lives there. It's great.
3: Doesn't live in the actually. You know what big, Goffy, big.
2: Goffy went out. Goffy went out on a big night out there a couple of weeks ago, and Trevor sorted it out for him. Why don't you get Trevor to get your, your name down for some of the big clubs that are up there?
5: Oh, I'll, I'll send you He's
0: me. like the mayor of Blackpool. Definitely. Do, you know what I, do you know what I love about this conversation? The fact that Lucy started it by remarking on how heated it was, and now Lisa's got involved. It's <laughs> 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 oh, not very nice, is it, hey? Hey? Come
2: on in. <laughs> <laughs> Lucy, what have you got for us?
5: <laughs> so, this week's quiz, we're going to have a look at Monday night's game Wolves against Everton. Excellent. Yeah, you sound thrilled. Right, (laughs) Crook, let's start with you. Yeah. Peter Beardsley was purchased by Everton in 1991, but from which club? Liverpool. Correct, Liverpool.
0: I knew that. Way too easy. I thought Crook was going to get the hard ones this week because he was rude to you. When was I rude? I don't know, I just made it up. (laughs) (laughs) At least three times in this podcast.
5: Right, Darren. Who did Wolves lose to in the FA Cup quarter-final in 2003?
0: 2003. Oh my goodness me! Uh, do, 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 do.
3: I can gamble this if he gets it wrong.
0: Why would I? Why would you? Why would you want to gamble? Why do you think I'm going to get it wrong?
3: I think, could you're, you're, I think you're struggling. You should a bit like Ollie, Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer on the touchline at Old Trafford on could, Sunday. Could you repeat the question again, Lewis?
5: Who did Wolves lose to in the FA Cup quarterfinal in 2003?
0: Nobody knows. <laughs> I think it was FA Cup quarterfinal. So that would have been. Today, Darren, we've all got things to do. I know, I know, I know. I'm just thinking that it would. But by, they got relegated that season, so they probably would have uh, lost it, sort of motivation. By, uh, Millwall. I'm going to go with. West Ham Incorrect I think it is Millwall was not it Millwall. I think it's
3: Millwall No it's not that was the year United beat Millwall in the final Southampton, Southampton. It's Southampton Everton It's Southampton, Southampton.
5: Yeah
2: it was Southampton
5: yeah. Half a point though Sam because you did shout out uh,
2: No problem No problem Right South- And he shouted Millwall first <laughs> And then Southampton But well, I'm only allowed one guess and you had about seven Anyway <laughs> My question Go on
5: Okay, Sam, at Everton, there are three top goal scorers on par with each other this season. These are Andros Townsend, Dominic Calvert Lewin, and
2: who else? Damari Gray.
5: Correct, Damari Gray.
2: Yes,
1: come
0: on, Damari Gray. asking the stats, man, stats about this season's stats.
2: Oh, I loved that question. That was brilliant. Well done, Luce. Thank you very much. What does that mean the scores
0: are?
5: So the scores are. Hang on, I've messed up my tally chart here. Give us a second.
0: Thinking about Black Boy.
5: Yeah. Can't wait to <laughs> get on be that going to great
0: weekend. <laughs> <laughs>
2: are you, are you going to have a go on the Big Dipper?
5: Oh, I'm going on Big Dipper. I'm going on the big one. Grand National. I'm going on them all.
2: Oof, OK. I've been on that Grand National. It's about 800 years old. It's very rickety. So just hold on tight, Thank you. Thanks for that advice. Sam... <laughs> Yeah.
5: <laughs> You're in the lead with nine points.
2: Get in. I'm going to have a good day now. Yep.
5: Crook is second with 8.5. And Darren, you are third with eight.
2: I'll be back.
0: Don't worry, I'll be back.
2: Manchester City against Crystal Palace is three o'clock on Saturday. Manchester City have conceded just four goals this season and haven't hit their XG mark yet, which is frightening for the rest of the league. And for Crystal Palace, a team that just can't seem to get over the line.
0: Yeah, um, I was at Arsenal the other night and Palace were terrific in that game. In fact, a lot of the fans left singing Vieira's name rather than Arteta's. You can see what he's trying to do. He won't be doing it against City. Too good, too strong. There'll be a reaction from going out of the Carabao Cup, I'm sure. City to win.
2: Venceki uh, and Edouard look like they are linking very well. That could be a partnership that ensures they aren't in any real trouble over the course of the season, but they should have beaten Newcastle with the chances that they created. So you wouldn't give them too much hope of reproducing Andros Townsend day because that famous victory was earned with a rigidity that they no longer possess, Alex.
3: Yeah, and it, I understand what Darren's saying about Patrick Vieira. I, I, he surprised me because, as you know, I wasn't convinced by the appointment, but they do have a habit, Crystal Palace, of getting themselves into winning positions and chucking away points. I think it's still only one victory in the Premier League this season. So as a habit, they're going to need to shrug off pretty quickly in this game. Probably isn't the ideal one to do that in. I've been impressed with Benteke as well because he hit a bit of form at the end of last season. I think cynically, maybe we felt that was just because he was coming to the end of his contract and trying to earn a new one. But he does seem to have been reinvigorated under Vieira and more like the Benteke that we knew. And love that Aston Villa and Edward has settled in quickly as well. We love Conor Gallagher in midfield. So it won't be a walkover for City, but it will be a City win.
2: Villa take on West Ham. Super Sunday at 4.30. West Ham applied themselves really well, despite making eight changes against the Manchester City on Wednesday night. I was at the game. The atmosphere was absolutely terrific. They did a brilliant thing where they got kids in for a quid. It was full. It was a record attendance for the League Cup for West Ham United. And over the course of the season, I mean, what's really impressed me, actually, Darren, about uh, West Ham recently is just the sheer number of clean sheets that they've kept.
0: (laughs) Uh, And they've all been kept since I had my little wager with you two. Uh, 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 The one game that I needed them to have a clean sheet sheet they didn't but no they've been terrific and look it's not going to surprise anyone who listens to this podcast regularly to know what my views on West Ham are I I think ever since last season I've been raving about them under David Moyes they buy well the work ethic has changed the shirkers have gone or are going and he has built a really strong tough battle hardened side. four clean sheets in the last four Everton Genk uh, Spurs and now City which remarkably city considering some of the players that played in that game and i can see that continuing this weekend because the really good players didn't even play zuma didn't play in the game he wasn't even he was on the bench he didn't come into the side antonio wasn't even in the squad he saves him for the premier league i think west ham win this because villa are a little bit of a mess right now
3: villa are interesting um because I think we all applauded the way they went about their business in the summer. They knew that Jack Grealish was going to leave. They'd already planned how they would reinvest that money. And even Danny Ings it is more like the Danny Ings who struggled for form at Southampton last season than the one who the previous couple of seasons was finding the net on a regular basis. So I think Dean Smith uh, has a problem. And Matt Holland on the podcast on Sunday suggesting maybe a change of system is needed, ditching the back three and reverting to a back four. So this is a big game for Villa. But like Darren, I think West Ham have been one of the stories of the season so far. And, and long may it continue, because it's not always been the case. I think they're quite
2: a likeable football club at this moment in time. Uh, yeah. Okay, thank you very much to uh, Alex Crook and Darren Lewis and me, Sam Adderface. They're Not a very likeable club, but, you know, okay, we do our best. Um, <laughs> thanks for <laughs> downloading the Game Day podcast from TalkSport. Remember, the post-match pod will be out as soon as you wake up on Monday morning with a review of all the action. We will see you then. Have a great weekend. And remember, there's four live games on Saturday on TalkSport, including a game from the Championship, which is available exclusively on our app. And Alex Crook is commentating. If that's not an advert for downloading it, I don't know what is.
1: The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply.
4: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row?